Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy and Romance, and all of the magical places they intersect. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mmm. Sweet deliciousness. Today is Monday, October 5th. Monday, the 5th of October. Is that the name of the book? I know I always do this, don't I? I think the book was called something like Saturday, the 5th of October or something. One of those portal fantasies that I so loved as a girl. Which are now considered ghosts these days. I don't know why. You know, it's sort of these things wherever what people decide are worthy and which are not. Someone the other day was praising my work, which was nice. But she was praising the Orchid Throne and talking about it's how well-written it is and deft observations on social, I don't know, social constructions and, and people. You know, I'm always writing about people peopling. And she said um, that it was so good she forgot she was reading a romance. And, you know, and I, I wish I had said, what do you think reading a romance is like? That would have been a, a better response. Instead, I tried to explain to her that it was both fantasy and romance. Um, <coughs> and I shouldn't let these things annoy me because, obviously, I get it a lot. Especially from people in the science fiction and fantasy world. And I think younger women, in particular, have really been inculcated with the idea that um, romances are, maybe not even younger women, because I was certainly inculcated with that as a younger woman as well, you know, that romances are, <coughs> excuse me, empty-headed and anti-feminist, and that they are without substance. I think that's a a huge assumption about romance. And I think that's something that takes people aback when they read a romance and discover that it has all kinds of substance. And there, and then they think, oh, well, that this one must be different, that this is a different romance. Because I think it's it partly comes from all of the parodies and the people, you know, like choosing scenes to read and then they read them histrionically and make fun of them and it creates this impression that an entire genre is somehow without substance and has nothing to say and it's funny because i had um, a wonderful lunch yesterday afternoon with the delightful megan mulry and brit charlie her paramour and we went out to the lamy depot where they have outdoor seating um, under the canvases, so you're shaded from the sun, and it was delightful, very generous pours of gouet and a, a brute champagne that I and it was a it was a good uh, vintage too. I've one thing about the smaller wineries, and this is a New Mexico winery, is they're 
vintages are extremely variable and they had one vintage for a while there that I really did not like it was just um way too sour for me which I think is not a word you're supposed to use in talking about wine people are like oh well do you mean it was more dry and it's like no it tasted sour <laughs> why can't I say it tastes sour um I think because sour implies that it's gone bad probably so anyway lately the gray vintage has been a good one uh so Maybe I can safely order it again. I always feel bad when the only bubbly they have is Gruet, which a lot of New Mexico restaurants have, and people are very proud of it. And I'll I'll ask what bubbly they have, and when they tell me Gruet, I'm like, I don't really like Gruet. And they're like, you don't? And I'm like, I know. I feel like I should carry around my little New Mexico resident card and hand it over when I say that. No, I don't like our New Mexico bubbly. I'm sorry. I want to. I tried. I can't. But now I do. Anyway, that's all a diversion. We had a lovely lunch. I had mussels, and we sat in the sun, and we talked. And I was telling Megan about this because I knew she would appreciate it. And as soon as I told her, you know, she, like, groaned and rolled her eyes. And Charlie said something along the lines of, he said, well, you know, she was paying you a compliment. And I said, oh, I know. I know she was paying me a compliment. And I tried to take it as a compliment. And he said, well, maybe what she's saying is that you know, that your work transcends the genre. You know, he says sometimes there are books, he said, because he likes to read mysteries and thrillers, and he says, you know, some of them are so much better than pulp that they that they transcend the genre. So poor Charlie ended up getting kind of schooled by me and Megan because we were like, why is that even a thing? Why, why do we talk about transcending genre as if, because what that implies is that there's something about the genre that needs to be transcended as if the bulk of it is this kind of murky sludge that is beneath notice and then every once in a while something rises up to transcend that you know with the angels singing and the beams of light floating down from above you know look it transcended the primordial ooze from which it originated um it's just a really, I, I just hate that. I just hate that the phrase and idea in general. And I was trying to explain to Charlie, I said, you know, that there are a lot of authors on the science fiction and fantasy side who will try to argue that they are not writers of science fiction and fantasy, right? Because they've elevated it to literary fiction because through their sheer brilliance and margaret atwood is guilty of that and i was trying to remember his name it's katwa the one who wrote never let me go i'm sure you all are shouting at my radio and i can't hear you at the speaker never i was trying to remember his name yesterday and i should have looked it up yeah katwa ishiguro yes you guys are right um, you know, he did the same thing. And I think both of them ended up trying to walk it back later. But, you know, their initial declarations of, oh, no, my novel about clones is not science fiction because it's literary, because it's digging into the heart and soul of how people feel about the world and interact with each other and the very nature of humanity. And it's like, well, what the fuck do you think everybody else writing science fiction and fantasy is writing about? You know, and who is the one? Now I'm not going to be able to think of his name at all. 
um, the one who's like the, the famous author, TM, who decided to write a book about an artificial intelligence and was talking about how brilliant he was in writing this book about our artificial intelligence that interrogates the nature of um, consciousness and humanity and that you know he was taking science fiction beyond um, rocket boots or <laughs> something like that you know and it's like oh you people who just you know who don't bother to actually familiarize themselves with a genre before having an opinion about it and it's very, very true of romance. It's also true of other genres, but um, unfortunately, romance has been stuck with this idea that it is somehow insipid and without substance. Alas. So anyway, I'm uh, deep cleansing breaths, trying to get, trying to leave that behind. Uh, I also was asked to be on a number of panels for the World Fantasy Conference, so then I felt validated with my fantasy cred. Um, some really good panels, too. Some really interesting panels. So I'm excited about that. On Saturday, we went and got our flu shots, which uh, I think I mentioned on Friday we were planning to do. David thinks he's never gotten a flu shot in his entire life. Um, and I'm not sure. I think I've had them before. I think maybe I got them in college a couple times, but certainly not since. And David was traumatized as a child. Um, he was born in 59, and somewhere around the mid to late 60s, yeah, that would be right, um, he was in grade school still. He's not sure what grade it was, but they lined up all of the kids and made them wait in line to go into the gym and get some sort of immunization and he doesn't know what it was but he said you know like they had to wait in this line for a long time and you could hear the kids up ahead screaming as they got these shots <laughs> um, and I don't know what shot that would have been at that point in time um, it could have been TB um, I think it's, my mom had a similar experience when they came out with the polio vaccine, but that was 50s. So I don't know what that one that David got was. It was probably TB, but it was incredibly painful. Uh, so it was interesting for us going to get this flu shot because we felt like, you know, this is just not a year to take any risks whatsoever. And my physician's office had sent an email saying that they were doing a drive-up clinic from 10 to 3 on Saturday. And David is not a patient at that clinic. But I thought, okay, well, worst that will happen is they will tell him that they can't give him the flu shot and, you know, at least I'll have mine and then we'll figure out a way to get his. But, you know, these how these things go. I was just anticipating it being a pain in the ass and being annoying and frustrating and all these things. And you guys hear me complain about these sort of things. So I'm going to do tell you right off the bat, you guys, this was so brilliantly organized. I, I can't stop talking about it because they did such an amazing job. So they'd had it scheduled from 10 to 3. They said, just come on down to you know, our office at this location and you can get your flu shot sitting in the car. And we thought, well, that's amazing. That's wonderful. So I did my um, kick my ass yoga Saturday morning and 
that was from like 9 to 10.30. And then we got dressed and headed down, drove into town to do that. And we went to the address, and then they had really nice signage. They had all these signs pointing up, you know, saying, go this way, for it's for Southwest Care Center. I'll say it because they were so wonderful. And so really easy signage to follow. And then we came around, and they had people at various points throughout, all wearing their masks, wearing cute little antenna bobbles. Uh, everybody was so nice and so happy acting. It was such a positive experience. So the, you know, and, and there was a line. We probably waited about half an hour, which I thought was pretty good. And also it was a beautiful autumn day. So that helped, you know, we had the car windows down, we had our masks on. And we got to the first woman and the first thing she asked us, you know, she said, welcome, how are you doing? Did not act rushed in any way, didn't act stressed in any way. I feel like whoever orchestrated this just really did an optimal job of, of of adhering to their primary purpose was to get as many people as possible to have the flu shot and to make it a positive experience. And she first asked us if either of us was over 65 because they would give us the, um, I can't remember what she called it. It was like the the extra intense dose. And David's 61. And we said no. And she said, okay, you should be great. And she said, um, so just stay in this line and keep following along and you'll get there eventually. And she, and she said, and someone up ahead will give you paperwork to fill out. And I asked her right then, I said, well, my husband um, isn't a patient at this clinic and can he still get a shot? And she said, absolutely. No problem at all. Just have your health insurance information ready, which we did. So then we got up, you know, a little bit longer. Car, it, it moved quite quickly. Cars were moving along. And we got up to sort of the next station, and the guy, you know, greeted us. And, and I told them, we're so happy you're doing this. And they said, thank you, thank you. You know, we, we just want people to get their flu shots. And I'm sorry that even made me a little verklempt. You know, it's nice when we see so much negative stuff in the news, you know, and all the people being assholes about this. And Dave and I were talking about this as we were waiting. You know, that's so easy to hear only the loud voices. Um, you know, and the thing is, is that the bulk of people are great and are working together and, you know, just want everybody to be healthy. So, you know, and he said, okay, up ahead, someone will have clipboards for you to fill out your paperwork. And, and after that, then you'll move forward and get your shots. And do you have any questions? And so then we got up to the next station and they had the clipboards ready with the pens <laughs> there. Cause I was thinking, shit, do we even have pens in the car? They had the pens there. They had a little pamphlet on the Southwest Care Center, a couple of informational things. The form was super short and easy to fill out. Uh, it took maybe three minutes to fill out. There was not a lot of paperwork. Nobody gave us any trouble about anything. Uh, it you know, was super easy to fill out from my insurance card. They didn't want to copy my insurance card or anything like that. And then they took the pieces of paper and put them under our windshield wiper, reclaimed the clipboards and pens to disinfect. And then we pulled up to the next station, and the guy checked our paperwork and made sure the information was there, and Yellow highlighted it. And they had one question on there asking if either of us had um, a chronic disease, and they had listed all these things like kidney, liver, you know, and David said neurological, and 
he asked, what kind of neurological disease do you have? And David said, Parkinson's. He said, okay, great. Said, no problem. And put the papers back under our windshield wiper, and we went up to the next station. And by then, we were getting really close up to the clinic parking lot and pulling sort of around the side of it. And he said, do you have any questions? And he said, when was the last time? They did have a question on the paperwork. And he says, I, he said, when was, when have you ever had a flu shot before? David said, no. And I just said no, too, because it's been so long, it doesn't matter. And so he said, okay. You know, and he didn't try to shame us for that or anything. And he said, okay, so here's what you know you should do just take it easy today he said you probably won't feel anything but stay hydrated and you know take a nap he said you might have a little bit of soreness and um he was you know just really cheerful and nice we said okay and so then we went around the corner and they had a little canopy set up all these stations and they had someone directing traffic and directed us to that they saw that we were a two-person car directed us to this one tent and they had people in the face shields and masks and wearing the the protective gear ppp and um gal came around to my side of the car and just had me leave my arm inside the car and swabbed my upper arm and gave me the you know she said you might feel a pinch i didn't even feel it at all david and i were talking later he was so relieved because he hates needles and he hates giving blood he tends to pass out and i was like you know we're the only shots we've had in forever is you know, or or interaction with needles is giving blood. And I said, you know, this is such a smaller gauge needle. You know, of course we don't feel it. Uh, and slapped a Band-Aid on my arm and, and we were done. And she did ask how, you know, she said, about how long did you have to wait in line? And we said, and we hadn't even really been tracking. And I said, I think about half an hour. I said, but this is great. You know, we appreciate you being so organized. And she's like, oh, well, we appreciate you. And uh, so that may not be an interesting story, but it was... Um, and we did not pay any money, you know, just on our insurance. It was it was so super easy, and it was just delightful to be part of something that was so well organized. And David was like, oh, that was so easy. He said that was so much better than, like, having to go sit in some waiting room and worry about who has COVID and all of this. And I said, I know it. And it was actually kind of fun because it was kind of like being in a parade. <laughs> it was like a homecoming parade or something. Yay, homecoming flu shots. So... Um, I wanted to tell you guys about that, partly for the record, partly for posterity, I suppose. And hopefully you all have equally uh, positive experiences being able to do that. Good idea to get the flu shot this week's season because you don't need to depress your immune system any, right? And other news is that um, the beta readers... Uh, really loved Dark Wizard. They had a couple good pieces of feedback. Dorinda is totally gushing about this story, which is wonderful. She's never gushed about one of my stories before. And I even said that to the beta readers. I'm like, for the record, Dorinda has never squeaked about a book like this. She said, I want you to just get it published so I can go tell everybody to go read it because it's so awesome. Which, you know, and... You know, she says, well, it's true. You, you're you a wonderful writer. She said, I always think your books are, are amazing. She said, but I love this book. And Grace really loves this book. She said, it's now her second favorite book of mine. She said, she's still hanging on to the pages of the mind as her favorite, uh, which is the, the Rita winner, you know, but uh, Grace loves Daphne. She says Daphne's her girl. And Daphne is a lot like Grace. They're, they're very similar personality-wise, so I can get that. 
So I'm very excited, very excited about um, moving forward with Dark Wizard. Although today I'm still working on Long Night of the Crystal and Moon. I'm at 20,000 words on it. So I'll have a draft done in the next couple days, two or maybe three days. And then I'll let it cool a little bit before I go back over it. I've got my proofreader lined up for it. I did do a blog post yesterday about the proofreader situation, which I explained a little bit more how it all worked out. Um, ultimately, I'm giving uh, Crystal Watanabe. I don't know if I'm saying it right, Crystal. Watanabe. It's either Watanabe or Watanabe uh, at Pico's house. And she did a proofreading job for Dorinda. That was exactly what Dorinda hired her to do. Uh, incredibly professional. So I've lined her up to do the final proof on Long Night. And huh, things are clicking right along. So I hope you all have a wonderful Monday. I hope that you kick off your week in style and that things go well for you. First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You all take care. Bye-bye.